Good evening. My name is Vivian Catfield, and this is Haunted Muse, a podcast of my freshly written speculative fiction and the often stranger-than-fiction stories behind it. This week, for our 135th episode and the 25th of Season 2, A Season of Short Works, I've chosen to share a personal story from my growing collection about the fictional town of Crossvine, Alabama, which I've based on my own hometown of Coleman. If you've been listening all season, you may recall a character from another story called Last Twig on the Branch, a singer named Ava. That story was about Ava as a young woman. However, this one describes her in middle age. Contrasting the two, I believe that you will find Ava very much changed. I won't spoil it by saying any more just now. Instead, I would like to mention that I chose to revisit the character this week in particular for several reasons. First, because as I am recording this, we are on Thanksgiving break at the college where I teach. Thanksgiving is a holiday that tends to put people in a reflective frame of mind about family and homecomings and all of the nostalgia that does or does not attach to it. Second, because my own sense of nostalgia surrounding the holiday is always heightened by the fact that my mother's birthday was on Thanksgiving. November 24th, 1946, to be exact. She would have been 76 today, which is mind-blowing. For me, it is impossible to imagine her being that old. Like the character of Ava in this story, she was someone who seemed to resist aging with every fiber of her being. Third, as someone who teaches writing, currently at a Catholic college, it seems that I am forever being asked to write a piece that could be considered spiritual memoir, which is difficult because I am a fiction writer, one, not a memoirist, and two, because my own sense of spirituality is very eclectic and not exactly something that would fit nicely or neatly as a shareable model of work for a survey-level course of undergraduates at a Christian university. Nevertheless, I do think that this week's piece is about as close as I can get to a spiritual memoir, albeit through the veil of fiction. It's certainly nostalgic in the most ancient sense of the word, as nostalgia in Greek means the pain from an old wound. At least, that's what the Don Draper character from Mad Men told us anyway in the Carousel episode, which is definitely among my favorite television programs of all time. I've included a link to it in the show notes if you've not seen it. To close, Thanksgiving for me is all about the spirit of forgiving and acceptance, as both are required in order to be truly thankful for spending time with our families, especially as we gather around holiday tables during these often divisive ideological times. It's important to let bygones be bygones and remember that parents no matter how difficult and complicated our relationships with them might be, are people too. They were even children, once, no matter how hard it might be to imagine it. Thus, it is in the spirit of these things that I dedicate this week's story to my mother, who has been my inspiration in so many things. I love you, Mom. And if you are listening, happy birthday. Last I wish all of you a happy and peaceful Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoy the tale that I've brought to this year's table. It is called Whiskey Benediction, a short story by Vivian Catfield.
Ava sat with her head down and legs crossed as she gazed out across the meadow at the government-issue sedan with dark-tinted windows parked at the end of the long, winding driveway leading up to the house. Her straight, waist-length black hair fell around her like a veil. In her left hand, she held a lit cigarette, and in her right, a water glass, brim full with whiskey. The hazy glow of the last setting stars from the night before gleamed through the amber liquid as she took a deep drag from the cigarette, then a slow sip, draining half the glass. Closing her eyes as she sat both down beside her, she exhaled a slow, rising column of smoke as she began to pray. Dear God, dear Jesus, dear Buddha, dear Vishnu, Great King Solomon, Commander of Spirits, and the Great Spirit, Great, 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 Great Spirit, Life in all things, I'm in trouble. Hear me, as you heard me once before when I was alone and friendless. I need you now. Send me a sign of your protection. Let me know that you are here with me when the enemy is watching Please, take my hand. The front door of the house opened with the slightest crack, startling her. Mom, are you okay? Samantha asked. Ava relaxed and opened her eyes. Dear heart, what are you doing up so early on a Sunday morning? School doesn't start until tomorrow. I thought that I heard something out here, Samantha replied nodding in the direction of the ominous car at the end of the driveway. Who's that? No one you need to know. Ava stabbed out her cigarette on the brick steps and quickly swallowed the rest of the whiskey, wiping her lips on the sleeve of her purple silk blouse. Go inside and we'll talk, but don't stand in front of the window. You never know who could see you or who might be listening. Obediently, Samantha went back into the living room and sat down on the chocolate velvet sofa on the far side of the grand piano, with her back to the window. Ava sat down beside her. For a moment, they both remained silent, each studying the fat statue of Buddha with a gold mask in his hand, who laughed over a massive, leather-bound Bible that lay open on the blue-green Vietnamese ceramic coffee table. "'Who are you praying to?' Samantha whispered. All of them, Ava replied. I like to keep my bases covered. Besides, you never know who's actually listening and who might be busy with other things. Samantha sighed heavily, absorbing the information. Ava put her arm around her daughter's shoulders and smoothed her honey-colored hair. Now, what do you have to sigh about so early in the morning? Especially when tomorrow's your birthday. We had a good trip to Disney World last week, didn't we? That was what you wanted, wasn't it? I seem to remember a very strong argument being made in favor of seeing Disney World while you were still only a single digit old and how it wouldn't be the same anymore if we waited until you were two digits old. Because even girls at school whose parents didn't have telephones had been to Disney World and you didn't want to be the only girl in the fifth grade who hadn't gone. <laughs> Ava half laughed. I did have a good time, Samantha insisted. A wonderful time, but that isn't it. 
She twisted around and curled her legs up beneath herself on the sofa. I'm sad because I don't think you enjoyed it. Because if you did, then you wouldn't still be so sad. There are many things in life that make older people sad. Me included, Ava replied. But Disney World isn't one of them. Neither are you. In fact, you are one of the only things that has ever made me truly happy. Samantha's green eyes brightened a bit. Really, truly? Really, truly, Ava echoed, her cool blue eyes still fixed on the statue of Buddha. What does make me sad is getting older. You were right about how nothing that's supposed to be fun is anymore once you've grown up, Ava shrugged. I mean, 13 was okay, and 23, but 33? It was awful. So incredibly lonely. Until you showed up. Then I had a friend, finally. A true friend. One who was like me, and who listened to me. Who liked what I liked. But now I'll be 43 at Thanksgiving, and well, I'm not lonely. But I get kind of afraid sometimes. Because there are other people out there who aren't my friends. Who are jealous and want to see everything I've earned taken away from me. So I pray. I pray to all the ones who I know are listening. I pray to the ones who gave me you. Which ones do you think answered? Samantha asked. When I was sent. I've never been quite sure, Ava replied, but for some reason I've always thought it was Solomon. When the doctor first said that you were coming, he thought you were going to be a boy because your heartbeat was so slow and strong. As soon as he said so, that was the only name I could think of to call you. Solomon, Master of Spirits. And that would have been your name, too, if you had been a boy. But you turned out to be a girl, though, a pretty little girl with a heart as powerful as a man's. So I named you as you are, and that name has its own power, too, the power that you bring to it. Forcing a smile, Ava turned suddenly to face her daughter. Changing the subject, she took both of Samantha's hands in her own and squeezed them tightly. I've got a secret. Do you want to know what it is? Samantha shook her head. No. A really, really excellent secret. Best secret in the whole wide world. But you have to promise not to tell anyone. It has to be just between you and me, okay? Samantha nodded. Okay. Do you remember when you were a little girl and we used to live in town? On Halloween, I used to dress up like an old gypsy fortune teller and read people's palms on the front porch. Yes, said Samantha. I remember. They said you were always right. I was, Ava said, releasing Samantha's hands and turning over her larger, long-boned left palm into her daughter's two much smaller ones. She traced the tight white scar that ran along it from the Mount of Jupiter just beneath her index finger to the Mount of the Moon at the heel. Once, when I was young, I held lightning in my hand. And that lightning gave me magic. Real magic? Samantha asked, impressed. 
Yes, Ava answered. Real magic, the kind that makes it so that you'll never have to be old. Samantha's eyes narrowed. But I thought you'd just said that you were sad because you didn't like getting old. Ah, see, that's the difference between magical people and other people, Ava replied dismissively. On the outside, we might look like we're getting older, but inside? Ava touched the fingertips of her right hand to her own breastbone, then to Samantha's. Where it counts? Never. We're just like Peter Pan. We never grow old. Remember when I read about him to you? Ava pressed both of Samantha's hands together and clasped her own around them. Don't you want to be magical too, like me? Then we can never grow old together. We can always stay just as we are right now. Nine and forty-two, as far as the world sees, but really, nine and nine. We can fly away to Neverland, forever. Ava's blue eyes were pleading as she squeezed Samantha's hands even tighter. Samantha resisted. But there are so many things that you can do that I can't, because you're a grown-up and people have to listen to you. Someday I want to be like that, to do really big things and have people take notice, like you. I want to be a big wheel. Ava winced and loosened her grip on her daughter's hands. Just because you grow up, doesn't mean that anyone will listen to you or that they will let you be as big of a wheel as you want to be. Sensing that she had disappointed her mother, Samantha withdrew. Ava rose from the sofa and began to pace around the coffee table as her wistful expression darkened. Fishing around in the pockets of her long silk skirt, she pulled out a green packet of cigarettes and a gold lighter. She flicked at a flame, pulling a greedy drag as she crossed her long, thin arms over her chest. Straightening up to her full height, she exhaled smoke through her nose like a dragon. What makes you think, even if you get to be this big wheel, then that will be enough? Inevitably, you will want something more after that, so what's next after you're a big wheel? Thinking hard. Samantha could feel the air growing tense in the room at her mother's challenge. She didn't want to disappoint her. To grow even more wheels. To put on more steam. To become a locomotive. Ava's whole body shook with laughter, as loud as she could muster, even though the only sound that came out was a breathy wheeze of whiskey-scented air. <laughs> So you want to be a locomotive, huh? Well, let me help lay the tracks out for you. She gestured dramatically toward a full-length gold frame mirror on a stand next to her piano. Come here and sit in front of me so that you can see yourself in the mirror. Wary, Samantha hesitated. Ava grabbed her daughter by the wrist and pulled her roughly off the sofa. Positioning Samantha in front of the glass, Ava stood behind her, looking over the top of her head. When you want people to notice you, Ava began, you can't help what they choose to notice. Sometimes they'll see what you want them to see, and they'll say nice things. 
Other times, they won't be so nice, and they'll say the worst things you could ever imagine. Matching her daughter's gaze in the mirror, Ava continued, To be ready, you'll have to get tough. So we're going to practice, starting right now. First, I'm going to tell you everything I see about you that is wonderful and special and perfect, and that will make you happy. Then I'm going to pretend like I'm the most hateful person in the world, someone who's jealous of you and who, because of that, is blind to anything possibly good about you. The second part will probably scare you, but I'm doing it because I'm your mother, and I love you. I'm doing it because I would rather you hear every nasty thing you could ever think about yourself from me first, so that later on when you hear it from other people who are for real, it won't shock you. You won't even feel it. Instead, you will just stand there, calmly as you are right now, and say, you are nothing compared to my mother, because I will have saved you from the kind of shit that I had to suffer through from the pain of being surprised by it anyway, because by then, you'll be tough enough to take it. Taking a long drag from her cigarette, Ava put her hands on Samantha's shoulders. Are you ready? Yes, Samantha said tentatively, remaining completely still. All right, Ava tucked her cigarette into the corner of her mouth. You are the most beautiful special little girl I've ever met. You are a treasure beyond the most precious diamond. She threaded her fingers through Samantha's hair. Your hair is like spun gold and your eyes bright as sunlight through an emerald. The shape of your face is flawless as a china doll. When you dance, it is as if the world ceases to spin and instead revolves around you and smart Oh, you are so brilliant. It scares me sometimes. Your wisdom is like someone who is 90 years old instead of nine. But your heart is the best of all. You are so kind and think of everyone else before yourself. Anytime you walk in a room, your warmth radiates so that people and animals flock to you like a charmed fairy princess. Every day of your life, I have been so proud and amazed that I am your mother and that I have produced a little girl so wonderful as you. Really? Yes, of course, really, Ava said, kissing the top of Samantha's head and wrapping her into a hug. When she let go, Ava stabbed her cigarette out in the jade ashtray on top of the blue ceramic elephant end table. She knelt down to look at her daughter face to face. Every bit of what I just said is true. Now, I'm going to tell you some lies. And I'm going to be loud and ugly about it, so that they will feel real. But it's for your own good. It's to make you tough, because you have to be tough if you've decided that you want to be a grown-up, and especially if you want to be a big wheel. These are the kinds of things that people will say to you when they want to hurt you, but you have to stand there and take it. You can't cry because that's what they'll want, to break you, okay?
Okay, Samantha nodded, still glowing from her mother's earlier praise. Ava stood up, putting her hands on her hips as her mouth twisted into a scowl of disgust. Who in hell do you think you are, you sawed-off little bitch? With your broken, bumpy nose and that white ass? When you put on a leotard, you're so short and fat, it's like watching a walrus wallow out there on the dance floor. Ava puffed out her cheeks and waddled exaggeratedly around in a mockery of ballet. Then she snatched up one of Samantha's hands and spread her daughter's fingers against her own, palm to palm. <laughs> and what's wrong with your stupid hands? Your fingers are so short you look like a retard. Stupid, stupid, stupid. I'm surprised you're even able to breathe. You'll never play piano like your mother. Don't even try, she waved dismissively. Honestly, I don't even think you're her daughter at all. You don't look anything like her. She's gorgeous and you're a total slug. Such a disappointment to think. <laughs> she gave up her other life in California where people loved her just to live here and be your mother. What a goddamn shame. Mom, I get it, Samantha said, her lip trembling. You can stop now. Why? Ava sneered. Am I going to make you cry? She stooped down, putting her face inches away from Samantha's. Mom, Samantha yelled, taking a step back. As tears began to well up in her eyes. I, I said that's enough. It's only enough when you stop crying, Ava yelled. In a flash, Ava slapped Samantha so hard across the right side of her face that the girl shrieked and stumbled, almost falling. Regaining her footing, Samantha stared at her mother in horror. What's wrong? I thought you said you wanted to be a grown-up. Lying little bitch, Ava slurred as the full effect of the whiskey kicked in. I, I did, I do, Samantha whimpered. But you don't have to... Ava slapped her again on the other side of her face. This time it turned her head, but Samantha stayed upright. Yes, God damn it, I do, until you learn to take it. Ava paused to punctuate her words again with a slap. Without goddamned crying. Another slap as she screamed directly into her daughter's face. Nobody in the whole world will give a goddamn about you if you let them see you cry. Stop it! She started to slap Samantha once more, but Ava wasn't quick enough. Samantha blocked her hand. Ava struck out with her other palm, and Samantha caught her arm. Twisting out of her grasp, Ava dropped both hands, swaying unsteadily on her feet. Although Samantha's face was bright red on both cheeks, imprinted with the marks of her mother's long, thin fingers, she was no longer crying. Grinning, Ava said calmly, Better. You're learning. Now we're going to try that again. You're a fat, ugly little bitch. Such a total and complete disappointment. Samantha just stared at her mother, her eyes deadly cold. What do you have to say to me, you worthless pile of chicken shit? Anything? I don't give a damn 
what you say to me, Samantha replied, her voice monotone. You are nothing compared to my mother. That's right. Don't forget it, Ava answered, her eyes hazy. Satisfied, she reached out to her daughter with both hands. Samantha continued to stare at her mother, numb and apprehensive. Oh, come on. Don't be so sensitive. You know I didn't mean it. I'm just trying to toughen you up. I told you exactly what I was going to do beforehand. It shouldn't have been such a surprise. Insults should only hurt when you're not ready for them. Turn around again. Ava waved for Samantha to look into the mirror. Slowly, still watching her mother from the corner of her eye, the girl rotated. Ava stepped behind her, once more looking over the top of her head. Look at your face. And then look at my face. It's the same face. Do you think I'm ugly? No, Samantha said curtly, then glanced away. Well, you look just like me, and I don't think I'm ugly, so I don't think you're ugly either. Your voice is my voice too, and your magic is my magic. Don't you believe me? Samantha said nothing. Ava watched her studying both of their faces in the mirror, careful not to meet her gaze. I prayed for you. Without ceasing, for seven years, I wanted a child. I went to doctor after doctor. They told me it couldn't happen, that I couldn't have children, but I kept praying to God and all the rest that you heard me talking to this morning until one of them heard me. Maybe it was Solomon. Maybe someone else. Maybe all of them. Because you came to me. It was like something out of the Bible. A child born to a barren woman, like an angel. And you were almost too easy to keep. Slept through the night from the very beginning. Never fussy, never crying. It worried me. I took you to the doctor because I was worried that you couldn't cry, that there was something wrong with your tear ducts, but the doctor said you were perfect. You just didn't have anything you felt like crying about. At last, Samantha made eye contact with her mother in the mirror. Ava kept going. Then, when you were old enough to speak, I asked you where you came from. Do you remember what you said? I said that I was flying low by the cherry tree in the front yard and caught my wing. And why were you flying so close to the ground? Ava prompted. Because I heard you crying through the window, and I thought you needed a friend, Samantha answered softly. Yes, Ava concluded. You heard me. And you came to me when I needed you. I needed a friend then, and I need a friend now. Are you still my friend? Of course I am, Samantha sighed. You just don't have to push so hard. You need, like, parenting lessons or something. 
Besides, why are you so against crying if that's how I found you? If that's how I knew that you needed me? I'm not against crying all the time, Ava clarified. I'm only against crying in front of people who don't deserve to see your tears, who aren't worth allowing the knowledge that they've hurt you. I slapped you because I was pretending to be other people in the world that you couldn't trust. We should always feel safe to cry in front of one another because we're the only ones who are worth crying over. You are me and I am you. And I'm hard on you because I'm hard on myself. I'm trying to tell you all the things I wish someone would have told me when I was still young. I wasn't as smart as you are. Someone should have slapped me silly every day of my life until I was about 26. Why 26? Because that's how old I was when my dad died, Ava replied. When he killed himself. Afterwards, Nothing else was fun or easy again for a long time. That's when I first started figuring out the other part of the secret I was telling you about earlier, which is this. Childhood ends at 26. At least it did for me. And for about seven years afterward, until you were born, I felt very old. But then... When you came, it was like you brought magic back into my life. I felt young again. Everything fell into place. Your father and I started a business, and for the first time, I had money, real money, to buy things. It was shocking to go into the grocery store or a clothing store and be able to buy what I wanted and not have to look at the price tags. I didn't know what to do because I was so happy. But now you're sad again, Samantha said. All the time. What happened? Ava looked away from the mirror and back across the living room toward the front windows. The wrong people noticed that I was too happy. They couldn't stand it, so they had to cause me trouble. They had to slap me back down. The people out there... Samantha added. The ones in the black car. Not them exactly, Ava said, sniffling as she tapped another cigarette out of the pack. But they were sent by those other people, yes. The jealous ones who turned me in. Are you scared of them? Me? No, I don't get scared. I scare other people. Ava replied indignantly, fumbling as she tried to put the cigarette to her lips. It dropped to the floor. She bent over to pick it up, tripped over the hem of her long skirt, and sat down hard. Covering her face with her hands, Ava began to sob. No, no, that's not right. I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't lie to you. Yes, I'm afraid. More afraid than I've ever been of anything in my life. I'm, I'm afraid of going to prison. 
We've already paid them what we owed to start with, but they won't go away. That's why they keep watching us. People are always telling them to keep looking, that there's more to find that we didn't pay, but there isn't. There truly isn't. If I had known, I would have paid those taxes to start with, but I had no goddamn idea. I'm a musician, not a goddamn accountant. Your father said we couldn't afford an accountant when we started out, so I had to figure out how to keep the books. And then your your father, your father was no help. He just sat there and played dumb, acting like I was some kind of criminal mastermind, letting me take all the blame when we were in front of them, testifying. I had no idea what I was doing in that room with all of them staring at me like a pack of hungry wolves. I felt so abandoned. I've always been so alone. But you're not alone, Mama, Samantha said, settling down onto the floor beside Ava. Not anymore. I'm here, and I'm listening. Yes, I know, dear heart, Ava said, embracing her. And that's the only thing that keeps me alive, knowing that you're here and that you believe in me. Ava blotted away tears with her sleeve. I'm sorry about before. Truly, I just don't want you to ever be shocked like I have. Life has slapped me in the face so many times. I've made so many mistakes. I just wish that I could start over and we could be like... She put her hand softly to the side of her daughter's still red cheek with her scarred hand. Like what I asked you before. Samantha understood. But we can, Mama. My face is your face, remember? You are me and I am you. We are young and we are magic. Nine and nine. Together in Neverland forever. Why, why couldn't we fly away right now if we wanted to? Just like in the book. I know the way because you read it to me. Look for the second star to the right and straight on till morning. Oh, how I wish that believing could make it so, Ava said. But, darling, Neverland doesn't really exist. I know, but California does, Samantha replied. And you were happy there once, for real, weren't you? Ava nodded. So that's where we'll go then, when I'm a really big wheel. No, Samantha corrected herself brushing the veil of her mother's long black hair out of her face and over her ear. When I'm a locomotive, I'll take you away from Alabama, back to California. We'll go together and stay forever, and we'll never grow old. The first rays of Sunday morning sunshine beamed through the beveled glass panel in the front door, casting rainbows all around the room. Ava pulled her daughter closer, 
Samantha could feel her mother's heart beating fast like a bird's beneath the thin bones of her ribcage as Ava whispered, Thank you. Thank God for you. Thank all of the gods for you. This is the end of Whiskey Benediction, a short story by Vivian Catfield. Tune in next week for another new story here on the Haunted Muse podcast. Until then, this is Vivian Catfield reminding you to remain ever watchful because you never can tell someone or something somewhere out there just might be watching you.